0: Okay, welcome to the sundown. It's May twelfth. Um, we will have report cards coming out this week, so um, it'll be for the fifth marking period, and uh, the sixth will be your final marking period as high school students. For you twelfth graders out there, uh, as always, it's is Mr. Ishii and Mr. Weissmiller. How, we doing? How are we
1: doing? Uh, doing all right. Coming coming to you today from uh, beautiful. Northern California in Napa Valley. Ah. I, was about, uh, I was thinking about you know places that we, I would like to be right now. Um, Napa Valley is about an hour and a half north of San Francisco. And it is very well known as the country's uh, wine region, I would say. So I took a trip there about five, six years ago. This was actually right before the kids. And um, it was awesome. It was just, it's just there's hundreds of wineries it's wide open and if you don't if you like wine, I, I like to enjoy a, a glass of wine here and there. Um, it was a, it's a fantastic experience and um, it's just beautiful so um, I said let me throw, let me throw a pick of Napa Valley up there today and uh, I know where you are today because I've been there as well so okay. um, maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about where you are
0: so i'm in florence italy uh which is one of several uh destinations within italy that i went to uh on my honeymoon with my wife um but florence was by far my favorite stop on that trip for a variety of reasons number one my wife when she was in college uh, for you seniors you should know that in college you have opportunities to study abroad if your college offers that program uh, my wife was in a program, so she did a semester of college in Italy and she was in Florence. So, part of why this was such a good stop for us was one, since she had spent about six months in Florence, she kind of knew the lay of the land and uh, we were able to do a few things that were, you know, maybe not super touristy and, and a little bit more like kind of off the beaten path in terms of restaurants. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had better food than when we were in Florence. And actually, it was also very similar to where you are, is uh, uh, right by uh, wine country uh, in Italy, or one of the regions that's uh, very famous for uh, more Italian wines is right outside of, uh, kind of what you're seeing is like the metro, uh, behind me is a metro area of Florence, but once you get a little bit outside of Florence, that's where, you know, you have a lot of uh, winemakers and we went on like a biking tour up there too. So
1: nice. That's what's, what's that bridge is very famous. Do you, do you know the name? I forget, I forget the name yeah. of that bridge.
0: Yeah. It's funny right before we came on, I thought you might say that. So I, I asked my wife and then she told me and now I forgot. Right, hold on. Hey, Nicole, what's the name of that bridge again? Ponte Vecchio. Ah, the Ponte Vecchio bridge.
1: Ponte Vecchio, which uh,
0: I actually have a,
1: a picture that we bought in Florence um, from, like, a street vendor for, like, 20 bucks. And it is of the Ponte Vecchio. So, oh, I have, okay. we, have that, we have that hanging in our bedroom. Was uh, the uh, was
0: the street vendor that you bought it from f- selling on the Ponte Vecchio? Because I know that there's a lot of vendors on that bridge.
1: No, we can't afford things that are bought that were sold on the Ponte Vecchio. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of jewelry shops there. I think yeah. the, the thing we bought on the Ponte Vecchio was gelato. Um, yeah. <laughs> was, but... The uh, funny story was the the painting that we bought in Florence. Uh, if people don't realize, just think about Manhattan. Same thing like in, in Italy is there's a lot of like street vendors who probably aren't permitted to sell. So there was people selling paintings, and you know when the police like walk by, all of a sudden they pack up all their paintings and they kind of like <laughs> run, they run away. So we we, but the benefit is like those paintings, and they're kind of like you know, knockoffs, but, uh, those paintings were not that expensive. I think it was like, we got it for like, I think it started at like 35 euros and I got them down to like 15. But in the, uh, in the process yeah. of buying it, we, you know, had to move locations like twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was my, uh, that's why, you know, it's, it's funny seeing, uh, seeing that bridge. Cause we have that picture and, and the story behind buying the picture was, was pretty funny. So,
0: yeah.
1: uh, that's my florence uh, story right
0: there. <laughs> well and the funny thing about having to change locations too is in a place like one of the things i thought was so cool about florence is is that like you could go for a couple blocks and it looks like a typical city right it looks like manhattan or brooklyn or whatever and then you turn a corner and all of a sudden it's like 1625 where you are like right. Right, right. You know, so you might have started negoc- started your painting negotiations in what looked like Brooklyn and you might have ended uh, your negotiation in what looked like Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think, you know, and for our students who want to travel abroad, like, being from New York, we're not phased or intimidated, I would say, by, like, street vendors. Like, for us, it's not unusual to walk by... You know five street vendors say walking around Manhattan or even on your way to work or you know on your way to school so like where some people have never seen a street vendor before where they live say you know in some suburban area in the middle of the country um, for me I you, you know that you know you have the leverage when you deal with these people so you know and they're they're, all, they're they're basically the same thing every block so you walk by one and you like something you say how much oh 40 you know 40 euro 40 euro, you gotta be, you can't be serious. You know, and as, <laughs> as, as you walk away, by the time I was like 15 feet away, the guy was already down to like 25 euro. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, I'll be back. So now I have my my anchor leverage point 25 euro. So now I go to like the next block, and the guy's like, all right, I could do it for 30 euro. And you say, well, he could do it for 25. And I said, maybe I'll get it later. So by that point, you know, you. At 40 euro, we got it down to like, you know, 15, 20. And that, that's just like, I would say, a New Yorker, you know, working working the street vendors. Yeah. You know, pretty and, cool.
0: Yeah. And now you have a <laughs> reminder of your negotiating skills uh, right up in your bedroom.
1: Yeah. There we, there we go. There we go. Um, yeah. Move, moving on. Um, what did he say? You know, has become a uh, fun segment that we've done. And uh, I did text you. I texted you within the last couple of days, saying, "Just when I didn't think we had material for, uh, for this segment, uh, President Trump had his press conference about. I guess testing was the uh, the major topic. And um, before I ask you what you, you know, what we're going to talk about, I'm watching the press conference and I see the president come out, and I think he was in front of like the white house you know outside and all i see is two huge posters on each side of him about like (laughs) america leading testing or something like that and i was like i turned to my wife and i said is this like north korea like is this like (laughs) like why is why are these signs like these 10 foot signs like on this it was like he was like like billboards, like advertising that we're having the most number of tests. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's cool. But like, it would be better if we didn't need to like be at this level of testing,
0: you know? Well, right. And and it's also just not true. I mean, or it's it's misleading. Like, it's very misleading. But I feel like Trump's strategy from the very beginning has been, if I tell a lie often enough and loudly enough, then – it'll become sort of the truth, or at least it'll be in the mix with the truth.
1: Well, we, we are, I believe we are leading in the number of tests. Right? right. But we also have the highest number of cases and the highest population. So I think a better gauge is uh, tests per, like, 100,000 people. Right. 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 And we, we were behind on that we were kind of like the middle of the pack for a, for a long time um, about that. Um, but and we we've still- been talking about testing for weeks now, right? Yeah. And we feel I- like this, was a, this is important. Like testing is one of the – and this is the experts. This isn't us. This is the experts have been saying this for like six to eight weeks now, that testing and testing a lot, um, which is what we'll talk about a little bit today, Especially, you know, with the, some of the businesses trying to come back and the you know, professional sports leagues, testing is probably the number one thing you can do to prevent outbreaks, right? Of course. So now the president, it's like six to eight weeks later, and now he's finally like saying, like, testing is important. <laughs> like we were saying this two months ago, right?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I think that he's been saying. He's been talking about testing quite a bit now for a little while, but I think that much like a lot of how he's handled this entire situation and, frankly, how he's handled most of his presidency, is he knows the thing that people want to hear. So he'll repeat the thing that he feels people want to hear over and over, but he fails often in the execution or taking the steps necessary to accomplish what he's yapping about all the time. So, like, it's really hard to put together a really robust national testing program. That's pretty difficult. But, so, he doesn't want to have to be bothered or burdened with such a thing. So, he's, also, what's his, like, answer is just, well, if I just go out every day and talk about how we're number one in testing and I say it constantly, and anyone who contradicts me, I call them fake news or a liar or fake, just generally, you're fake. Like, then it'll make it sort of like indistinguishable to some people if you're not smart enough or if you're not paying attention closely enough. It'll just make it seem like, well, they say I'm doing bad. I say I'm doing great. It's their word against mine. We'll see what happens. And I think that to him is just like a much easier thing to do than actually put together a testing program, the magnitude that is required to make the United States of America safe like that's really hard. So he's just like, well, I'm not gonna do that.
1: <laughs> like, well, the, you you could see that strategy right now, and we're not we're not gonna get into it. But with the uh, the election, the mail in voting, you know, they're already trying to like discredit the process of mail in voting, and you know that's probably a strategy. Like, mail in voting is not good because there could be fraud. Like, wait a second. <laughs> You're saying only one side is going to, you know, fraudulently use the mail-in voting. So right. I think he knows he's, he's behind right now. And there's also more registered Democrat voters than Republicans in the country. So I think he's already planting a seed for his base to say if he loses, look, this mail-in voting was a big scheme and a big scam. I told you about this was a scam. So he's already like starting to do that now, ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other strategy is we're not going to talk about the disaster, the pandemic and my handling of it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get the media onto calling Obama a fraud and Obamagate and all this. And it's like so, somebody and this was going to be on one of the, uh, you know, what did he say? But a reporter asked him two days ago that you you called out – you're calling this Obamagate and he, that he committed crimes. And then the reporter goes, what crime did he actually commit? And Trump goes something like, you know what he did. I don't need to say it. You know what he did. I don't need to say it. And it's like, wait, no, you should say it because you're accusing him of doing these crimes that didn't actually happen. You're just saying it. That he committed crimes. So now like your base goes, yeah, Obama committed all these crimes. But it's like, no, the reporter asked, what did you – what crime are you talking about? And he goes, I don't need to talk – I don't need to tell you the crime. Well, so
0: actually this this was my what did he say. So I have the exact quotes written down because it's actually – it's when you actually look at what he said. Like you – yeah, that was a good summary of it. When you actually hear what he says, it's worse. It's worse than your description. The reporter asks him – he says, you appear to accuse President Obama of the biggest political crime in American history by far. That's what he accused him of on Twitter. So what? the reporter asked, what are you accusing him of? And he goes, "Uh, Obamagate. Like, that's not a crime. That's just a word you made up. Yeah, and, then he, and then he goes, uh, it's been going on for a long time. It's been going on from before I got elected, and it's a disgrace that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on, and if you look at now, all this information that's being released, from what I understand, that's only the beginning. Only the beginning. He's been out of office for four years. What, like, <laughs> wh- how is he doing anything? I, I mean, This is only the beginning. Some terrible things happen, and... Uh, it should never have been allowed to happen and it won't happen in our country Grant. again. So the guy says, So what's the crime? Because as the reporter probably correctly noticed, Obamagate, not a crime, not a thing even. And then he says, You know what the crime is. The crime is obvious to everybody. All you have to do is read the newspapers, except yours. Well, I mean, I read a lot of newspapers actually, and I don't I have no clue what Obamagate is.
1: No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. So I mean, but that's, this is really it's about just like another, it's another trick.
0: Well, right, and it, the trick is here is that uh, his original national security advisor when he took office, Michael Flynn, was uh, arrested because he was a Russian asset. He was working with Russia um, and told Russia. So uh, real quick, uh, right at the end of Obama's term, Trump had been elected, but Obama was still president. Obama kicked some Russian um diplomats who uh, diplomats are how do you describe diplomats they're like representative from other countries where even if you're a hostile country we allow you to live in our country and sort of uh guarantee you certain protections so that we have a representative of your country here for us to speak to directly in the event of a crisis of some sort is that right and they're
1: they're pretty much um not a, they have immunity from, like, most crimes, right? Yeah. Like, from basically a lot of, from basically anything.
0: Yeah. But so Obama kicked Russian diplomats out of our country because they, uh, basically, we had evidence that they had been spying and messing with our elections. So sure. uh, Michael, Flynn, Michael Flynn called, the Russian, called the Russian government, and again, not with the <laughs> authorization of Obama, who was still... Actively, the president at that time and basically told Russia, don't overreact, don't don't basically don't put don't strike back against us for having expelled your people, because once Trump's in office, we'll let you back. We'll let them back in. Well, it'll all be cool. And that's not legal to do. So uh, he was questioned by the FBI. He lied to the FBI. He was found out for this and he pled guilty in court. So he pled guilty. He, he admitted, yes, I did this twice. And, right. And uh, this week, Bill Barr, who's the attorney general, which is the top federal law enforcement official in the country. So he, uh, you know, he sort of sets the agenda for how the federal government is going to prosecute crimes, what they're going to prioritize, like how they're going to enforce laws. Like we have laws and they have meaning, but he kind of has sway over how they're enforced. And he just dropped the case against Flynn. He just dismissed it, even though he'd already pled guilty, which is never happened before um and so the whole story now they're trying to concoct is is that the investigation that got flynn into trouble in the first place was illegitimate why because obama was president when it happened and so uh that's what obamagate is all about is what they're saying that's pretty good summary thanks
1: (laughs) and um yeah, I had, I had something else too, but I think uh, we should move on to this this next uh, article or uh, controversial controversial uh, vaccine trial that's that's picking up momentum. I just thought it was interesting to to bring it up, and uh, yeah. I was reading about it. And what it what it is is when we when we test test vaccines usually what happens is it goes through phases. Uh, this is just very general, but uh, it goes through phases. You know, a lot of times it begins, you know, in a lab, certain tests, then it moves on to animals. Uh, and then the last phase is, is usually testing on humans. And that that last phase, to, you know, it could take six to seven, eight years for them to get to that point where they're injecting humans with this this vaccine. Um, so right now, there's a push to basically fast track the COVID vaccine, and what you're seeing is you're seeing thousands of people volunteer to join in on this trial. Um, and what it's doing is it, it's raising a lot of concern from from advocates who are saying it's not ethical for people to do this and what what people are saying is if this could save number if this if these vaccines are are okay you've just fast-tracked like skipped like four or five six years of testing in order to save thousands of people so i i thought it was an interesting uh article kind of like an ethical uh moral controversial discussion about whether you think it's okay now. People throughout history, um, for example, Nazi Germany. You know, it's known that the German scientists used to do a lot of testing on, you know, people that they had in concentration camps. Um, you know, they tested a lot of medicines. They they did all kinds of crazy tests. Also, people that have been disabled or um, mentally ill. You know, in the past, scientists have have done tests on these people. Uh, They're called human challenges or human challenge trials. So it's bringing up a lot of, you know, old wounds, I would say, for people. Uh, The difference is with these is that it would be consensual. Um, So uh, the argument for it is that it's consensual. People are volunteering. Uh, The scientists that have the vaccine that they'd like to test they would basically give the lowest dose possible to people with the lowest risk. And then also these people would have, if they become symptomatic, they would have basically the best treatments that we have currently available for them. So you would think it's kind of like, you know, you would think it's kind of low risk, but the the negative is that, you know, what happens – a, if the vaccine, you know, has really bad side effects. And, and B, you're injecting somebody with a virus that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't have a known cure for it right now. So I'll ask you, what do you think? Is it worth the risk for us to, now there's three major companies, of course, three major pharmaceutical companies who are pushing this to the FDA. And the FDA Food and Drug Administration would have to approve these trials. And you have thousands of people who are volunteering for these trials right now. So my question is, do you think that this is okay that we move forward with this?
0: It's a good question. (laughs) I think, think, well, well, I guess I don't have have a problem with people willingly volunteering (laughs) to participate (laughs) in a trial Because Because if right now you don't understand the the risks risks of the disease, disease. that's kind of on you, you. right? It's not like you're signing up for something, you don't really know what you're getting into, and then it could be deadly. I think there's something very unethical about that. But if you don't know right now that this disease is potentially very deadly, I don't know how to help. help
1: Well, they're saying you also don't know the long-term effects. Like this disease is very new. So they don't know if somebody who, say, was infected and gets better, if, like, long-term, they might have some kind of issues down the road. And it was because they were once infected with COVID. Now, the likelihood of – yeah. yeah.
0: Well, so, yeah. Yeah. I think that what would worry me more is that they – is the vaccine worries me more. Like, I don't really have a problem with the tests if they have people that are willing to volunteer to participate in the tests. Because, again, if you're upfront with people that like, look, we still don't know the long-term risks and they decide, okay, I'm going to opt to do it anyway. Like, provided we're not coercing people to participate in these, I don't have an issue necessarily with the testing itself. What I think I take more of an issue with is what's driving and like what's driving anything but what's driving the need for us to fast track a vaccine right like obviously nobody is comfortable with there being a deadly uh, virus just floating around in the air and um you want to be able to cure it or vaccinate people as quickly as possible if 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 we're capable of doing it right so i'm not against finding a vaccine and i'm not saying fast tracking it is necessarily a bad idea just on its own but i have the sense that one of the reasons for fast tracking the vaccine is so that we can get the economy restarted again and with that i sort of have that's what i would would take issue with but i don't know that I, i i take any moral issue i think if 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 you're using consenting adults who uh, are fully aware of risks, and fully aware that the people that are testing them don't even know all the risks yet, and you're still like, yes, I'm willing to do this. I don't, I, yeah, I guess I, I don't necessarily have a moral problem with that.
1: Yeah, so the, the, other, the other issue is that people worry that once you allow this to happen, it sets a precedent for future tests, and future testing on other things, It also says that if we're allowing this, who's to say that the pharmaceutical companies, you know, if if they were infecting you, say, with like a, a low, low dose of COVID, right? Who's to say that they're not gonna try and like up the dose or, you know, really push the limits to where it becomes unsafe for these people who were healthy right before this, but, I'm with you. I think if people are and I and I think when this first came out, I think in Europe, they were offering people like $3,000 to to get infected with coronavirus like for some kind of trial testing or or something. So there might be some financial incentive with this also, but when they interviewed some people who volunteered, they said like, "Look, I I'm not going into the army or the military, so for human for like my fellow citizen like this is what I can do you know it's kind of like the people that donate their their plasma now after they were infected and they develop the antibodies and they're donating that so yeah. some people really feel like it's a calling for them to help so um I think if it's controlled and I, and I think the scientists can control it and you know we already know that the people that are low risk you know really there's you know the fatality rate is minimal. I don't I don't see an issue with it. I mean if this I was reading another article which stated the like every day that we don't have the vaccine could potentially be like seven thousand deaths globally. Which is which is a huge number. So just think if you fast track the the vaccine, if if testing on humans takes off, like even like three years from the vaccine being approved, um, you know that's a that's a lot of pe- that's a lot of people that yeah you know yeah. you could save. So I'm kind of I'm all right with it. Um, they're doing it, and I believe the UK just uh, started a human trial um, with the vaccine. So I'm curious to see if, if it's going to come to the States and like we say, the money talks and if the pharmaceutical companies are are pushing this, we know the reach that Big Pharma has here. Um, you know, I, I see like that this is probably going to get approved, don't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be approved because I think a lot of interests are aligned here, financial uh, and um, just from a public relations standpoint, like I think you know, Trump will figure out a way to make sure it gets FDA approved because he think it if he finds if the vaccine is discovered under his watch, then it'll be good for him, I think. So I think there's too many interests aligned for it not to be approved if it proves to be effective. Now, my question to you would be if there is a fast-tracked vaccine that is... Because uh, I know the FDA has certain stages of approval, so I might not get fully FDA approved right away, but it could be like, well, given the nature of the circumstances whatever. But if it's like... We're pretty sure this works. There's pretty strong evidence to describe this works. But because of the fast-tracked testing, we don't know if the vaccine could cause any long-term side effects or even medium-term side effects in people. But we know that it is effective in preventing you from get COVID now. Would you want the vaccine if you still had the option to remain socially distanced for an additional period of time? Or would you say... I'm going to hold off on the vaccine. I'm going to keep practicing social distancing provided it's an option for me and I'm just going to wait and see on the vaccine. Like what would you choose? You know, I
1: never I never got the flu vaccine or the flu shot until I started teach until I started teaching and then within the month of teaching I got the flu and I was like this was this is the worst thing I've <laughs> ever had before. So then I started getting the flu shot that my doctor said, you know, you work with kids, it's probably smart to get it. So now I've got it and I don't know. I I think I would get it. You know, I just I'm around too many high risk people. I I think, you know, as far as like parents and grandparents, you know, also working in a school, I I think I would probably get it. Um, And that's just me. I don't know if I would let my kids get it right away. And that tends to be because I've asked this question to my friends and, and that seems to be what how they feel also that they would probably get it but they don't know if they would give it to their kids right away.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just don't have an answer. I, I just, you know, I, I don't know that I definitely don't or have never really considered myself a conspiracy theorist, um, but I also don't think that I'm. I'm – I can also be a cynic for sure, but I would just say that since March to now – I don't know that I've ever had less trust in any institution than I have had over the last couple months. And so if they put out a vaccine, I really don't even know. I would have to do a lot of reading into it to make a determination. is, Is this something I believe or is this not something I believe? Do I think this is just, you know, some thing that they rushed out there that they don't even know what the consequences are just to make sure that we all get back to work so that rich people stay rich. I would certainly have that level of doubt in my head and I would have to think a lot about it.
1: Yeah, I mean on on the positive side though, COVID is a family, part of the family of coronaviruses which we coronaviruses are not new to science. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they have been working on different vaccines for different coronaviruses, so from reading The reason that they were able to fast track the potential vaccine for COVID is that they've been doing so much work for years with coronaviruses that they're they were already familiar with kind of how it works. So to me, they're kind of like you know, and the flu is a coronavirus, I believe, right? Like the different strands of the flu. I don't know. Is that true?
0: Um,
1: Yeah. So. I mean I think like the flu shot already if you get it already has some kind of coronavirus different coronavirus stuff in it I mean you know some people will tell you don't ever get the flu shot but uh you know the your your doctors will tell you now to probably get it I know like my kids pediatricians they they recommend it um it kind of seems to be the consensus uh in medicine right now but um yeah, I think I, I think I would probably have to get it. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I right. I think I would, but like you, I we'd have to do a ton of research, um, and then we'd go from there. But uh, I kind of wanted to wrap it up. We were going to talk about UFC, but I think the discussion about the human trial could be a good discussion question for us to post. I agree. Uh, to I the agree. to the kids, and uh, you know, one of the questions is probably going to be, if, do you think that this is uh okay, that uh, would you be okay with, you know, healthy people being infected purposefully uh, mm-hmm. with the virus? And then I guess we could talk uh, vaccine. If there a vaccine comes comes about, would you feel comfortable uh, taking the vaccine? What do you think about that?
0: Sounds great. Sounds great. All right.
1: uh, the, this will probably get posted tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Uh, yep. And then our next podcast, we're going to have another teacher on as a special guest we'll talk a little bit about unions collective bargaining uh probably bring up baseball because they're in the process of doing that right now so yeah uh anything else Ishii, before you uh sign off from uh friends
0: no i think that's good i think uh go ahead and get your backyard rocking
1: all right see everybody uh on friday
0: all right later